Welcome to Kashrus on the Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashrus Magazine. And tonight's show is going to be very interesting, a little bit different than we used to, but you know, some of these things are important for us to handle. Uh, there's an important topic that came up just this past week, and I decided to do something about it right away. And that was the, uh, the, the, past in the, the law case that was going on in Florida for over 10 years about Jewish prisoners not getting kosher food or exactly what kind of kosher food they were getting. It was a very, very big case. And I'm going to talk a little bit about it, and then we're going to talk a little bit about some of my experiences with people who are incarcerated. And I'd love to hear from you uh, anything you would like to talk about about the people who are incarcerated. And I'm going to talk about a very wonderful organization that helps people who are incarcerated. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about maybe how we can avoid, you know, uh, for anybody who's listening, uh, any difficulties as we can understand what that means. And uh, so we're going to have a very effective show, a little bit different than we're used to. But before we begin, I want to mention, first of all, I have a, a special offer. And uh, I, I'll, I'll mention it briefly now, but the, the special offer will be really understood later on. I'm giving away the, the, our book, which is called um, On the Wings of a Child's Prayer. And I'm going to read to you the story that, that that's, it's called, that, that has that name, On the Wings of a Child's Prayer. It's a very moving story, and that's the name of our book, which is all stories from the pages of Kashrus Magazine over 30 years. And you're going to be able to get it free with a subscription to Kasha's Magazine, something that's unheard of because it's a $20 book and we're giving it away free. So a little bit more about that later. Um, and if you, you're not able to stay on, so just take our number, which is, this is the office number, 718-336-8544. Tell me you want this, the Jay Wood special, the free book of the, um, uh, on the Wings of Child's Prayer, and, of course, a subscription to the magazine all for $25 instead of $45. A number, again, 718-336-8544. Anyway, I wanted to mention something that was interesting to me because I got, stu- I got stuck in the middle of it like I usually do. It seems that somebody came to me, who I know very well, and he sent me some material about a product that he thought might be mislabeled. And I sent it around. It seems there were two hashkachas on it. Um, and uh, that's interesting, you know, always when you have two hashkachas and the mislabeled product, very, very clearly mislabeled. The product contains milk, and it says parva, and, it's, uh, it, and it has two hashkachas, both claiming parva, and uh, the uh, product is actually dairy. What was interesting was, I looked around to see if this was something that came up recently, because I'm not, never sure, maybe this is something that's already been out there, and I sent it to, to the different cashless agencies and to the company itself. So we sent out three emails. And uh, what was interesting when it came back, yes, the product is mislabeled, but it was mislabeled over a year ago. And this is very, 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 very important. First of all, I didn't look back that far. And, but what's important to us is the product is still being sold now, and it's been mislabeled at least a year which means, of course, their product is probably a little bit old. But not so much the question about whether it's too old, because it probably isn't legally too old, I assume. I assume. The problem is, what are these recalls really doing? What does it mean when reading the magazine, I have to write the words because they put it in, and they, they're very careful. They pressure me very much to put those words in, so I put it in. And the words always say to the effect that uh, you know, action has been taken on this, uh, this situation, and then and they make it sound like, Kashmir's make it sound like it's ancient history. And usually they don't allow me to keep running that information more than one issue because they say, we took care of it already. And here you see a product that's out there, it had to be produced more than a year ago, and uh, it, it could be as much as, you know, almost two years, I hope not. But anyway, it's an old product, and the recalls were not really, a f- there were no recalls on it probably because it, it was a part of a, it was a, it was a dairy product. It should have been recalled, but they don't usually do a really real call. They don't really recall from the stores. They just maybe stop selling it or they sticker it over. But this obviously slipped through the cracks, was still out there, and was recently purchased, and the person wanted to know what the truth is. 
The truth is it was mislabeled and unfortunately had not been taken care of. I'm not going to name the product simply because I, always, I expose a little bit too much about it already. Uh, you'll see it in the magazine probably, uh, or the, maybe even the Conscious Monthly, I'll probably stick it in as well. My question to you, Rabbi, I'm sorry, why not expose it if it's okay, misleading? Okay. I'm just, no, no, uh, really, okay, something that we, okay, are, we, uh, we uh, service the community. Listen, listen, listen you I don't have to say it twice. Okay, I have okay. it sitting right over I here. I think I take responsibility it's, on it's, this. Okay, sweet and low uh, butterscotch candies. Apashka's product with the badats of the Eda HaKaredis and the Yo-Yo. Wow. Yeah. How I, come? Don't know. I don't know. Somebody's sleeping. I can't tell you who. But obviously, uh, something went, went bad, and yeah. obviously it wasn't taken care of. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Robert. <laughs> no, I'm just. I take, I take responsibility yeah, listen, on this. It, 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 I'm sorry right, that right, all the right. respect. You know, right, we right. are servicing the public, That's and it, we have to do it. it. I, okay. Cooperate. Anyway. <laughs> now let, let's let's begin the the program. So this story really is an old story. It's ten years old, and it's been back and forth. The, the state of Florida fought this. Like crazy, they didn't want to spend the money for kosher. And I, I, maybe I'll discuss it a little bit later. Depends how much time we're going to have, and I'll tell you a little bit about the story. But before anything else, I want to play now an interview that I just did this week with the main person involved for the Beckett Fund. The Beckett Fund is an organization that is only dedicated to one thing, fighting in the leg legal system, fighting uh, for religion. Now, the religion could be not our religion, but there's, there's plenty of religions out there. But they're trying to defend religion anywhere in America. And they've, and they've done it very effectively in a number of cases. And some of them, uh, you know what? You know who they've gotten involved in with the Burwell versus Hobby Lobby. I might discuss it later, but everybody knows that case. But this uh, Diana Verm is the legal counsel for the Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty. And we have a, a, an interview that I did over the telephone with her, and you're going to play it right now. I think. Can you tell me a little bit more, Ms. Verma, about the, the Beckett Fund and what your, uh, what, your, what your area of involvement is? Sure. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Uh, the Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty is a nonprofit law firm. And we exist to protect the free exercise of religious liberty all over the country, and we exist to protect the religious liberty of all faiths. So in, in courts of law and courts of public opinion, we represent people of faith trying to carry out their religious beliefs. Okay, and you are a lawyer for them? That's right. Okay, and uh, were you involved at all with the case of Florida that we're going to be discussing? Sure, so the Beckett Fund has uh, been involved in lawsuits against Florida twice on behalf of religious prisoners, uh, who Jewish prisoners who wanted the right to uh, have kosher food in prison. And for the first time, uh, we've seen in this case the the United States government sued the state of Florida under a religious liberty law that asking Florida to provide kosher diets to all of its prisoners. So the Beckett Fund was involved as a friend of the court. We uh, provided a brief to the court explaining how Florida's excuses were uh, were inefficient or insufficient. Well, let me let's go back a step before we get into some of the things that I was thinking about. But what about this? Uh, the United States. Uh, suing a, a state. Uh, first of all, is that, a, is that a rare thing or is that a common thing? So it is, there, there is a provision under the law. It's a federal law that requires any, uh, any state prison that accepts money from the federal government, it requires them to uh, allow prisoners to observe their faith unless the prisoner, prison has a compelling reason. So the, and the law does pro allow the government, the federal government, to uh, bring a lawsuit, and this is the first time the federal government has done that. Wow. And um, what happened basically, give us a little bit about the uh, case, because I didn't mention it yet. Uh, obviously, it was a case where, there, where uh, it had been decided, maybe from the earlier case that you had, that Florida must provide 
uh, kosher food to those people who are qualified to get kosher food. I don't know what the uh, requirements are, but whatever the requirements are, people who meet those requirements are entitled to kosher food in the, in the prison. And uh, Florida did not want to cooperate, and that's why the United States um, instituted this case against the state of Florida. You want to elaborate a little bit on that? Sure, that's exactly right. The state of Florida has lost lawsuits in the past on behalf of individual religious prisoners, so it knew it had to provide uh, kosher food to individual religious prisoners, but it still wasn't doing it across the board. It had, it had even provided uh, kosher food in, on a temporary basis for a, in a short-term program that was canceled. So it, it, it knows how to do it. It just was refusing to, it was just refusing to provide, provide kosher meals on a, on a, a statewide basis. And that's why the federal government sued. Would you, would you want to tell us a little bit about what the, uh, the, the, the state of Florida claimed was the reason, what this financial thing, how, it, how, it, uh, what the, how they presented it, and how it was rebutted? Sure. Well, they were just about out of excuses, so they claimed that it would cost too much to provide kosher meals to that many prisoners. Uh, kosher meals cost about $1.50 a day more than regular meals that Florida provides. Uh, the Florida was estimating that it would cost them 12 to 40 million dollars to provide this kind of uh, this accommodation, which uh, just was a wild overestimation. In, in effect, it would be somewhere in the in the in the lowest uh, hundreds, thousands, thousands. Is that correct? Three, or, three to four hundred thousand. Right, right. Is, is a more realistic estimate. And, and go ahead. And so, in order to in order to prove up its case, Florida had to show that it uh, that it had a compelling reason, and there was no other. There's no other way it could uh, meet it could meet its compelling reason without provi without providing these kosher meals. And it, Florida couldn't show any harm that would come to it by being forced to include kosher meals in its budget. The the three or four hundred thousand that it would really cost them is on is less than point. One percent of their annual budget of multi-billion dollars. Wow! Wow! Uh, now, I, I, when I was reading about these cases, it seems that I think 35 states provide kosher in their prison system. Is that correct? That's right. The, the United States provided evidence that there's 35, that 35 states and the federal government all provide kosher programs in their prisons. Uh, what what are about the other fifteen states? What's the, what's the reason why they're not involved, or uh, is there any Florida concern? Is the, Florida is the only large state that doesn't uh, provide uh. kosher a, a kosher program. This, the other states are smaller states, and they just because they don't have a program doesn't mean they don't provide them on a one-off basis. If if there's a request, it doesn't mean they haven't been sued or, and required to provide them for individuals. But it may be that other states may also be sued for that. Isn't that possible? Yes. Yeah, I know. I know. Over the years, they they've been more and more of these cases. Now, I, I always was interested in this question here. We're talking about kosher, and uh, there's there's the uh, there are the Muslims who are interested in, uh, in in eating halal. How are they provided for in the prison system? So in the, the Florida, so Florida is currently providing the meals under an injunction from the court. So the meals that they're currently providing are kosher, and they also meet the requirements for halal. So they are able to provide them to Muslim prisoners. There is actually a lawsuit from a Muslim prisoner requesting a halal diet, the same the same diet that Jewish prisoners are receiving. Uh, and hopefully, after this lawsuit. Uh, Florida will lose that one as well and have to provide the same meals to the Muslim prisoners. Oh, so they, oh I see. But but they, they haven't yet sued for uh, halal meals per se. Uh, an individual Muslim prisoner has, but there there hasn't been a lawsuit for all Muslim prisoners. Right. But hopefully the, the reasoning behind this court's, uh, this, this court ordered the Florida to continue to provide the meals and the reasoning behind the Opinion will apply to Muslim prisoners as well. I see, but uh, no, but I, I've been reading a little bit about the the Muslims' interest, and they uh, also feel that uh, they would would prefer to have pure halal. In other words, to them, they accept kosher as like a 
uh, you know, acceptable second best, I suppose, to say it simply. Whereas the halal is prepared the way they prepare it, uh, the way that they slaughter the animal, and they and they of course feel that that is more preferable. But legally, I mean, in, in the rules of Islam, it seems that uh, that Jewish slaughter is acceptable to them. I'm not. I'm not totally sure about all the about all the requirements, but if they can show that it is a burden on their religious beliefs to only receive kosher and not then they will get it. They'll get it. Then they they should. They should be able to get it, but I think for now their request is just to receive the same meals. The same meals. Okay, so let's hope it remains that way. It makes it even easier for everybody. Uh, of course, it wouldn't give as much work for the Beckett Fund. Uh, <laughs> is there a hope of a national law for inmates getting a kosher option? So the the law that the the law that this lawsuit was brought under is a national law, and it does protect religious liberty. So I think that so I. I mean, and the Beckett Fund were more involved in litigation than we are in legislation. Mm-hmm. So I think that the idea is that this law will protect uh, protect prisoners, even if it's on a piecemeal basis. But a, a law requiring uh, prisons to provide kosher meals uh, is certainly a possibility. Uh huh. And you know, when they were providing what they called uh, kosher options before. I, I was reading that they were providing what we call a, a, like a cheap kosher option with peanut butter, sardines, etc. It, it, it can, can they be sued over that by the inmates or by others? Is that something that is inappropriate to, to find something that legally is kosher but is really not uh, a fit diet or a, co- sure. a common diet? Sure. So, so far in this lawsuit, the adequacy of the diet hasn't been questioned. Uh, and the, the court seems to have allowed it for now, but some courts have indicated that a, a, diet, a religious diet needs to be sufficient and that there are limits, so it is a possibility that that could, that could be challenged. Uh-huh. And uh, what are some of the other religious issues that Beckett is involved in now or will be involved in the future? Sure. Well, since we are involved in protecting the free exercise of all faiths, we, rep- we represent Christians, Jews, and Muslims, and other people of faith across the country. Uh, one area where we've been working on recently is uh, members of the Sikh faith uh, participating in the United States military. So we have a uh, we have a client who recently won an accommodation uh, to serve as an army captain uh, with a turban and a beard and um, long hair uh, for the for the first time in in many years, and we've had, we have three other clients who have also been granted accommodations to enter the Army. So uh, overall, I think that there's been a lot of advances to religious liberty recently, and we're, we're really excited to see uh, what will come next. There always are new cases that are coming up. But what, do you, what is your feeling, or what is the feeling of the uh, the Beckett Fund regarding uh, the religious uh, uh, protection of religious observance in this country? Is it is it getting stronger? Is it weakening, or is there is it re, or, or is it being reinterpreted? I mean, how do you view the whole? I don't mean about religious observance. That's a, that's our problem, right? We're talking about protection. Well, how do you see that uh, playing itself out now into the future? Are we getting better? We're getting worse. We're we're just re, re are we reinterpreting, re reformulating. I, I do I do think that things are getting better. We've seen a lot of advances in religious liberty over the past few years, especially at the Supreme Court. Um, last year, the Supreme Court ruled that uh, um, in, in another prisoner case, that prisons can't just use any excuse uh, not to provide for prisoners with religious liberty, uh, and that was the case of a Muslim who wanted to wear a beard, and that. Uh, that decision has effects for other prisoners across the country, but also for other areas of religious liberty law. Um, so we've, we've, we've seen the Supreme Court rule unanimously in other religious liberty issues as well, and I think that that bodes well for religious liberty in the future. I thank you very much, uh, Mr. Verm, for joining us today and to giving us your, some of your insights from the Beckett Fund on the uh, issue of religious liberty, especially as we regard the case that was recently decided in Florida. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks. Okay, so we heard from Ms. Verm. I think it was a very interesting little interview that we did. Um, it, it took me a lot of trouble. It was a lot of trouble in order for me to set it up 
can't believe how many how many uh, rings you have to go through to get her. But the point is, they came to me originally and said they wanted to. You're interested in and in, in, in having an interview, and I said yes. And we were trying to work it. I wish we could have had her on live because I think she has a lot of interesting things to talk about. When I started with uh, setting it up, I didn't realize that she was the person who was really in charge of this whole operation in terms of the uh, the legal, you know, suing the, uh, the the government. It's an amazing thing that the United States sued a state over a kashrus. It's just an amazing thing. We're in a very special country. I don't know if we all appreciate it enough. We're in a, a, we're Medina Shel Chesed, some a place which uh, you know our forefathers never realized it, and I, of course it has its negative aspects as well because uh, when you're too free, etc., etc. But we are protected on a certain level. Akash Baruch is protecting us, the mezuzahs protect us, our tefillahs protect us, Torah protects us, but still in all, there is something beautiful about seeing that people who are not our faith could, could go there and protect our people. Now, maybe the, the thing of people in jail is not something that uh, excites everybody, but I want to tell you, when you hear this next story, I mean, I, I think I'll read it right now, because I don't, I don't think we're going to be able to get through all the material I have. And I want you to hear this story. And I think you'll understand, when I read this story, why I, I call the book by that name, why I gave the name to the book, you know, representing 30 years of our information in Kashrus magazine, actually just about stories. You know, we're not, not, not the, it's not a Kashrus book. Why I called it On the Wings of a Child's Prayer. Now, this is a... This, story, you have to understand, occurred the following way. Somebody, so we give, there's an organization called La Asurim. La Asurim is very important if you know anybody who's incarcerated, or if you want to help people who are incarcerated. And it's a very, very, very big mitzvah. Not just pidyon and shvuyim, but also just maintaining them and giving them some kind of feeling of uh, security and help that people care about them and that there's a life for them if they get out and that so they have help on a day-to-day basis, this is the organization, La Surim. It's run by somebody who himself spent eight years in jail. If anybody wants to reach La Surim, it's spelled La L A S U R I M. Again, L A S U R I M, and you can reach them at gmail.com, La Asurim at gmail.com, or you can call them at 718 513 2525. And if you do sign up to help or whatever it is, tell, let them know that you came from me because I like them to know that we're trying to help them. They contacted us a number of years ago, and, and uh, since then, we send 300 Kashrus magazines free to inmates in the different prisons through La Asurim. They distribute them, and it's all Jewish people, really Jewish who were never incarcerated. Now listen to this story. I heard it from the person who used to come to pick up the magazines from us. Now they just do it with a service. Where it used to be a volunteer that would come to pick up the magazines, and they send a lot of different volunteers. But this volunteer volunteered to tell me a certain story, and I, and I can't get it out of my mind. It's a, an unbelievable story. Please listen. I want to thank Conscious Magazine for letting me have this opportunity to tell my story. If it prevents even one Jew from making the mistake that I did, then it will have been worth undergoing the whole thing. I made one error in judgment, and it has taken over 10 years to correct. Even then, it was only possible to do so because of the goodness of some Jewish children. But I'm getting ahead of my story. I have a large family. My wife and I are very close. I want nothing more than to take care of the family, but sometimes that's hard, very hard. I've been a mashkiach in a restaurant and I've held other jobs in the Jewish community, but I never seem to earn enough money to enable me to take care of my family properly. Maybe I talk too much. I certainly complain to too many people. Maybe I borrowed too many times. I'm not sure how it actually happened, but somebody, someone heard about the so- sorry state of affairs I was, that I was in 
and came to make me an offer. He opened his jacket and he pulled out $100 bills. That's, yes, that's $50,000. He offered it to me. It's all yours, he said, but on one condition. I had to take a package. Yeah, yes, I, I knew what was in it. To another country. Actually, to my home country. By the way, it came from Canada. As it were. One package, one time. That was all. And the money would be mine. I knew there was the wrong thing to do, but I began to think. I need to put food on my table. My family is suffering. This money will take care of them for a good long time. I could do it just this once. Sometimes you know that something is wrong, but you still think that maybe Hashem put this opportunity in front of you for a reason. Maybe this is how He is going to provide for your family. You see a parking spot next to a hydrant. Just, just for a minute, you said to yourself. But you did it. You broke the law. Now you might have to suffer the consequences. There are many other temptations in life. There's no need for me to list them for you. Anyway, this was my temptation. I could do this just once, I thought. They caught me, and I've spent 10 years in jail, which is just about half of my sentence. Every two years, I petitioned anew to be transferred to my home country to serve the remaining years where I would be near my family. But so far, each appeal have been refused. My recent appeal had been sent out nearly a year ago, yet no answer had come. Then a Lasurim volunteer came to visit me in prison. As he was about to leave, I told him of my appeal. He volunteered to ask the boys in his class in the Brooklyn Yeshiva, where he teaches, to daven for me. Within two days, I got the letter. I'm going home. I was ecstatic. But I still had to know for sure. So I contacted the Rebbe and asked him, did your class daven for me the day after you visited me as you had offered? Yes. And the following day, he told me. So I'm going home. But the best part is that my country of origin will let me off with the time that I've already served in the United States. This is all because a class of yeshiva boys davened for me and because their Rebbe cared. And that's the story that I call on the wings of a child's prayer. <laughs> I should have said it really, the wings of a, of a yeshiva class of boys' prayer. But it's a, it's a fantastic story, and that's just one of the stories in our book, which is by that name, On the Wings of a Child's Prayer. You can buy it on, for $20 and, uh, <laughs> on uh, Amazon.com, and you can get it free with a subscription to Cautious Magazine. But I'm making the offer for one day only. If you call between now and 7 o'clock tomorrow evening, this number, 718-336-8544. Again, 718-336-8544. Between now and tomorrow night at this time, and leave us your information. We'll get back to you, and we'll give you the special, the j Root special, $25 instead of $45. The magazine for a year with the kosher supervision guide to over... 1,400 kosher agencies, the travel guide, the Pesach guide, all the magazines, plus this book, a 200-page book on the wings of a child's prayer. So if you're interested, call the number 718-336-8544. Now, anytime between now and tomorrow at 7 o'clock. And uh, you can also email at us at kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S, at AOL.com. Kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S, at AOL.com. Now, I'm really interested in talking about this topic. And if anybody would like to call in about people who are incarcerated, any questions you have, any ideas and points, anything you want, suggestions you want to make to people, any, anything that's relevant, it doesn't have to be about kosher. It could be about the inmates themselves. I would appreciate if you would call between now and the end of the show. We have a half an hour. The telephone number is 718-683-5858. Our show, uh, uh, the, the studio number, 718-683-5858. Uh, 
Nissim, can you get this? Uh, I can't see the uh, the emails, the texting. Can you rearrange it for me? I know it wasn't up here. Uh, you could text us at 347-927-8398. 347-927-8398 to, uh, to uh, text us. And if you want to call us, we're here, 718-683-5858. Now, before anybody does call, because uh, it may take another minute, hopefully it will call soon, I'm going to share with you a little bit more about this topic. I would love to have talked more about the situation in Florida. Really, there's a million things that are interesting to us about it. One of the things is that the woman we heard from before, Ms. Verm, was off by her numbers, and I want to share that, that, that number with you. The amount of the cost for the kosher, for the inmates, is not, as she said, less than 0.1%, uh, but it's actually less than, less than 200%. In other words, 0.02%. That's how little the actual kosher cost. And a fantastic figure, which you have to hear, is how much are they charging, how much is it costing for a Jewish inmate to eat, they give him the, all his meals, and all included, it costs the kosher ones three dollars and fifty-five. I'm sorry, and fifty-six cents per day. One inmate, three meals, three dollars and fifty-six cents. I don't even think that uh, the coffee that people take in the morning costs less than the four dollars that the people go to these fancy places to get the coffee. And even if, and how in the world, even at the McDonald's that they would Goya meet, it can't get away with $3.56 a day. And that's what they're giving the people. Now, I'll tell you the trick. I know the trick. It's coming in. It's just starting over again. I'll tell you the trick. The trick is volume. You can't believe how many meals that, these, that they're buying, these kosher meals, and they're buying them from one provider, usually in the state. And it's a tremendous amount. The man can make a fortune of money. So he, he does it very close to the box. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't put in any extras. And he, 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 he gets a very, very low price, and he has to bid for it. So he comes in very low. But you won't ever in your life see those numbers. $3.56 to take care of a Jewish person, kosher, on a, on a, on a, for a day. That's an amazing, amazing number. So I thought that was interesting. I came across that also. I see we got a call. I know we're going to wait. Wait a minute. Just wait one minute. And I w would like to share with you another uh, another point or two. Now the case everybody heard about this Burwell versus Hobby Lobby, which is a case about uh, a Mus about a, it's, it's a it's a very very well known case, and uh, it just came just finished. And that the um, Beckett Fund played a major role. And the other one was about a, a Muslim who wanted to grow a short beard, and that was Holt versus Hobbes. Those are recent uh, issues that affected the case in Florida. But the problem goes on, as we heard before, that I, I don't believe, I mean, they may now be stuck and have to do something to, for, the, for the Jewish patients, Jewish in, inmates, but obviously they're not excited about it. And as we heard, they were serving them these ridiculous foods to replace a regular meal, just uh, giving them several times a day sardines and, uh, and peanut butter and a few other odds and ends and saying, well, it's kosher. So that, I mean, I think that was a really a very, very cheap shot at, uh, at how they were handling us. And to schlep it on for 10 years and spend over $400,000 in the legal fees, it's a little bit extreme what the state of Florida did against, the, against us. But Baruch Hashem, the government of the United States came to us, uh, our defense. Now, I, I just want uh, I'll take the I'll take the first caller, and then if we have time, we'll go back to some of the other problems here. Go ahead. You're on Kasha's on the air. Can we help you? Yes. Um, I wanted to give a name for people to daven for, a man that's going for it. He's in prison, and he's going for um, a dentora that's coming up for him, and everything is at stake for him, his life. Wow. And I want to know people can daven for him, like they daven this yeshiva, anyone that's listening, any rush yeshiva, 
students that are in yeshiva, men, women, to have it would be a big schos. The daven for him, he's Jose um, Betruva, and um, came from another country. He was wrongly accused. We have the information, and we have to turn over everything. The first lawyers rooted for him. We have new lawyers in now, and uh, when he needs Rachamim, his name is Daniel Avraham Ben Elka, and um, he's also in a very bad prison, one of the worst in the countries. Um, so we're talking about the food that they're saying is kosher, but it's brought open and you know, tefillin, and you know everything is like a war, and it's like a second war. This prison he's in, and um, Aleph has Aleph Institute has been very involved in the Tzadikim. I'm sure paying for what they're doing. So again, his name is Daniel Avraham Ben Elka, and it's a schus for everyone that will daven for him. Is there a time that's important? I mean, there's a is, it, is something coming up an imminent thing in the certain? Yes, it has been now. Um, it, his case is now um, in the federal court in another state, and um, it's there's only a certain amount of time that it goes. So. Um, the way I see it, um, it should be resolved before Rosh Hashanah. So we're asking in this time period between Avinella for people to daven for him. So he's not convicted. He's he, he's he's uh, he's in he's in court. He's not in. No, he's in prison and he has to overturn a conviction. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. Well, hope Baruch. We hope it'll it'll happen. And uh, if you if it does, uh, if we could call us back in a few months if everything works out, we would love to hear it. And anybody who's listening should daven for Daniel Avram Ben Elka. Thank you for calling in. Okay. Thank you. Just call him I want you. I want you to know that this problem affects many, 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 many families. Uh, I can't tell you. I want to tell you personal stories about people that I know very, very closely. But I, and I'm involved with a number of prisoners that contact me. It's uh, because of the Conscious Magazine. I mean, the one time they used to just send and say, uh, you know, I want a free subscription. They wanted whatever they wanted. Uh, you know, we, we can send them something. This we do the best we can to satisfy them. I don't have the money to send such free subscriptions to everybody, especially some of them are not Jewish at all. But I have a person who bought my tapes on Yeridea and is sitting learning hours a day. Yeridea from the tapes in a prison. It's unbelievable. The rabbi called me up and then we arranged for it to be shipped and the whole, whole to do. And he said to me, he can't take CDs because they don't have any players that would allow it. I can only send the old tapes, like the tape recorder tapes. So I said, okay, we're going to send them over. So we, said, so we sent them over. We're going to send them over. He said, maybe you can use the tapes that don't have the little screws in it. I said, I don't know. I'll look around for it. So I looked around. I couldn't find it anywhere in the, in the, in, on the internet. I couldn't find where, where you get these things without the screws. I mean, there must be some place. I don't know. I was unsuccessful in finding it. He said, okay, so send those. So we sent over those tapes. 90 shiurim that I gave. And, and, you know, and I mean, I've, I've reported a number of times, but this is the, the first one. I think it's the best one I ever did. So anyway, so the, we sent it over. And the rabbi told me that, you know, you can't bring it into the prison with the little metal screws. I don't know if you've seen, the, if you remember the old tapes. They're so tiny, those screws. They are like, I mean, mashahus. They're very small. If you would see a bug that size, you might, go, you might not even realize it was a bug. It's very, very tiny, those little screws. It's set into the, you know, to the, into the uh, tape. So the rabbi himself takes out the screws of every one of those tapes and puts a little glue in and then he's allowed to bring it into the prison. And he does it for that prisoner, and the prisoner is sitting there learning your day, hours and hours a day. I'm not, well, I'm not, ex- I'm not exaggerating. I'm not, this, this, you can't make these stories up. And I have, an, and I have another person, uh, a lovely man, doing tshuva, and really doing tshuva in, 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 in the prison, and two ladies from Williamsburg. I don't know who they are. I mean, they, I heard the names of ones, but I don't remember. They, they decided that they want to help this fellow. So they went ahead and ordered for him my magazine and the, the, the monthly uh, n- newsletter, which you call Kashmir's Monthly. Together, it costs $150 for five years. He's in, the, he's in jail for a long time. Five years, $150. So they called me up to give me the credit card. So we, 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 uh, so we, we arranged it for them. You know, and then I said to them, uh, this, who's paying for this? Aleph or uh, Lasurim? No. 
we want to pay it ourselves. So are you related to this man? He said, no. We just wanted to do a mitzvah. We, we go and we visit prisoners and we help them with the things that we can do. Women! It's amazing. Ladies from, from Williamsburg, not from, from uh, another area. It's a beautiful thing. Klai Yisrael is unbelievable. And, and that's, if anybody would like to volunteer to join La Asurim, I don't, I don't know if they really take women, I don't know, but, the, but La Asurim takes, definitely takes uh, volunteer men. I gave the number before, here somewhere. Uh, La Asurim is a, a, a wonderful organization, and if you can, you can volunteer for La Asurim. Here's the number, 718-513-2525. Again, 718-513-2525, and you can email them, laasurim, it's L-A-S-U-R-I-M, at gmail.com. So a couple of years ago, I went to one of their programs. I don't know, they, they, they asked me to come. I mean, I'm not, I'm just, my only involvement is giving the magazines to the people, but they wanted to come down and see what it's all about. So I came down. There were over 100 people there. It was in a, like a Hassan Hall in, uh, in Borough Park. It's a small chasen hall, you know. People use it not just for chasen, they use it for other things. It's a nice bar mitzvah, actually. It's more about bar mitzvah hall. And they had a whole suit over there. And they had over 100 volunteers for Lassurim. Over 100 volunteers for Lassurim. I went out of my mind. I couldn't believe it. How Reyim, Vishlemim, Hasidish, with Lithfisher, with the Flatbush, Borough Park, Williamsburg, everybody there over 100 people who helped this organization. And I've met the people who helped. It's a fantastic organization. And I want to share with you one more story. This story, I mean, I, I really cry when I think about this story because I, it, it, it's, it's a, but it gives you a, first of all, you should understand the people who are incarcerated are having a very difficult time, aside from everything else. They're really afraid for their lives. That's the fact. And so, I get calls. I get calls from people in prison. You understand? They're able to call me. I get emails from them. There's a special thing called Coors Link. You can be able to email. And they, and they are able to call me. It's a special calling system, whatever it is, but they call. And they ask, I have people asking me, Shilas and Kashras. I'm not joking. This is, this is what's going on in, in, in prison. You know, sometimes a, a fellow was given a meal and uh, he could eat in the rabbi's office, but it but sometimes there's a, there's a Shiloh from Basra to Shalom and Ayin, could he eat, could he trust it? This, I can't believe what people are asking me. And, and uh, the difficulties in, in Kashrus and in jail, I mean, the government is in Florida is a question of whether who's going to be kosher or not kosher. But there's a lot of things, especially a, a person who was really a fruma. I mean, they ask me, Pas Yisrael. I mean, they ask me a lot of questions. A lot of issues come up. Can I accept this hashgacha and accept that hashgacha? It's very, very, very challenging. But this story is a classic because what happened is the fellow was in jail and I knew why he was in jail because I knew people that he did whatever he did to, to those people. And uh, he was hopped, he went to jail and it was a very tough jail, very tough jail he was in and he had a shiloh and he called me up and it, it bothered me very much because I was so upset about the things that he was doing, that he had done. But he's talking to me as a rabbi and asking me a shail in halacha. So I answered him, and then I went to Zerub that I know very well, and I asked him, I said, tell me, what am I supposed to do? If they, the, the, it is a, it's an abomination what he did. It's something that bothers me to no end. And I know people that he, he did this to. And here, he's calling me up and asking me a Shiloh. So what do I do? So the Rav told me, if you can stomach it, answer him like anybody else. If you can't, we can understand. But if you can, he needs, all, he needs you, and you have to answer him, and you have to help him. So I tried, and I tried to do it, and later on, I discovered that this person himself had been a victim when he was a boy. As a young boy, he was a victim, and unfortunately, it played out again and again in his life. So it's so important that we should try to prevent anything from happening, that we should help the people, 
that we should daven for them, as we're going to do for this, this gentleman we gave the name for already. It's so important for our people to look past themselves and not think only about my kashras, my this, my that. Start realizing that there are countless people who need our help in many, many different avenues. And that was the reason for this particular show. Okay, Rabbi, so yeah. you, you, you answer already the, the one of the texture. I didn't uh, hear the text. Okay, no, no, just this one. <laughs> Does every criminal deserve kosher food? I and you see, it's uh, this is a, okay. a, a a good question, and because as you said, your stomach turned up and down when somebody called you, and you know what it did, and you know what person this, you know, to the other the klalim Israel, and it's turned. But uh, you know, as we have to take midah of Avraham Avinu, Chesed, and right. Rabbi Mulubav, you know, the the Rabbi Itzchak Mbarditchov, we have to turn this a little bit on the kafshut, whatever every Jew has a sparks. And if you regret it or something, this this is, uh, we spoke about so many times about it, that many people coming to a situation that they don't want to admit it, you know. Right. And this is the, unfortunately the, the, the worst situation. But when somebody already got punished, the Gemara said, you, then, you cannot punish him twice on the same age. So we cannot punish somebody in the jail. He already has a punished. So we cannot punish, we can provide him. So you have stories. We have stories in our community. Also, know that I got a, I got a letter from inmate that we don't know. We don't. Need, uh, our Sephardic rabbi got a, a, a letter from inmate in some place in the United States. He he aired it. He aired it his show, show in, in the radio, and he asked the rabbi. He has Ashkenaz boy, mm -hmm. and he wants the rabbi to send him a sidur, Sephardic sidur with English uh, translation. So we went, and you cannot send just regulars, we have to send it direct from the store, you know, it's, you right, know all this right, process. Right, right, there's a lot, a lot of rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we send him, the, you send him all this letter, we just recently, recently, very recently, so we got the letter back for him, that he moved to another jail, and he asked the rabbi if he can send him alachot, svadik alachot, shulchan aruch, and this in English. Wow. So uh, it's it's like something sure. that you know. One time, one time, somebody asked us to send him the the the, the uh, coming revolution, you know, the uh, of Rabbi Zamir Cohen right. to the to the jail. We know right now, and uh, you're talking about life threatening. You know, how many Jewish inmates get life threatening from the other inmate? You know, sure. from the other people, and they have to pay them. And the family, the families that outside, have to pay. Basically, bribe the inmate inside the jail. The people coming every week. I know this personally stuff. You know that people coming to every week to collect the the ransom. I would say that the black and uh, the blackmail in order to put protection on the boy in the jail. Right, right. And kosher food is again. It's it's a paying. You know, tomato cost in a jail. Uh, you can buy. You can buy. You can, buy, you can buy a lot of things that are kosher, but in snacks. It's, but you yeah, can't but buy no, meals. no, but in meaning, in meaning, even tomato, even sometimes that you want to connect extra. And they have you no have money. To, you, you have, people have no money. No, they have to pay. And I know personally a person that basically collect every month, every month about $2,000 to pay this uh, money. And this is unbelievable. Sure. And really, uh, this, this is something. Yes. I said, so you know, the question was the, the, the gentleman or lady uh, sent to us was, does every criminal deserve kosher food? But, you know, all of us, the best of us, everybody has done things that are not appropriate, may do be, still be doing things that are not appropriate. One mitzvah, you don't, you don't give up your mitzvahs because of your Averis, you try to get rid of your Averis and try to do more mitzvahs. It's, there's no way to say that, that a person could be all good or he's all bad. It doesn't work that way. The, even the Russia is going to, Hashem is going to pay back the good things he did. If a person has sinned, if he's, if he's a wicked person or he's a bad person or a dangerous person, of course, he's still entitled to keep kosher, and he still has to keep Shabbos, and every single part of Yiddishkeit he has to keep. But it's not so simple for him to, in a jail, to be able to keep everything properly. It's very, 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 very difficult. 
there's a certain situation that I'm involved in where a gentleman would like to become Jewish, but there's only one technical problem. He's sitting in jail, and he's, and he's gone as far as a person can go uh, to Gerus, except for the last step, which is the mikvah, and the basin has to you know, decide that he's mikvah or the mitzvahs. And there is a basin that was involved with it, but it's, it's, not, it's not getting through, and uh, there, there is a big holdup here in the t- sense that he can't go to the mikvah, saying that without going to the mikvah, he wouldn't be able to become Jewish. And there is a, it doesn't seem like it's, it's going to get finished off, and I don't know how many years he's got in jail, but it's a long time. And, there's a, and the problem that one of the rabbis told me is that the problem is that he can't really keep all the mitzvahs in jail. It's almost impossible. And therefore, if you're, if you're going to try to make him Jewish and even get him out of jail to go, make him, to, go to the mikvah, and he does, he does makabal the mitzvahs, but he can't do them. So I don't know if a, if a basedin would be allowed to be him if he can't completely keep the mitzvahs, at least in the situation that he's in. Remember, we're talking, the kashvahs has many levels. The kashvahs in Florida is not going to be lechatchila mahadrin and a mahadrin. It's going to be acceptable kosher on a certain standard. And I, I get asked questions of all nature. I had a, I had a gentleman who, who used to get delivered chalas. Shabbos, for Shabbos, they used to give him chalas from Monroe. And he, called, he contacted me. He doesn't know if they're Yoshin. <laughs> He's sitting in jail and he has to have kosher and everything, but he wants to be Makban and Yashin. It's a very nice thing. And it, it is definitely a, a very high, a high thing. But, you know, there's, there's, in jail, you can't really ask to get exactly what you want. You can't say, I don't use that hashkocha. They're going to give you, and I do get these contact, I'm unbelievable a number of people coming to me over kosher issues. So if anybody wants to touch base with me, we're still sitting here, 718-683-5858. If not, we'll try another. Uh, seems that the name for Tehillim for Yitzchak Ben Sipora of Esther. Yeah. yeah, what? Yitzchak Ben Sipora, Refua Shlema. Yeah. Okay. Sipora Esther. Okay. We're going to um, go back to a couple of the topics that tie into what we were saying before. And if anyone does call, we are here, 718-683-5858. I wanted you to uh, appreciate a little bit about what it means to be a Jew in prison and get kosher food. A lot of people understand that uh, we need you to be Jewish. And you need to be kosher. Otherwise, why are you asking for kosher food? But the question is, how kosher do you have to be? So that's a big, a big issue in the uh, prison system. And they're trying to create a situation where we find out whether the person is really committed or not. So sometimes there are people, and there's a prisoner in Kentucky, I won't give you his name, he was denied kosher food because they said he's not kosher enough. It seems that he was found to have eaten something that was not kosher, which was bought from him somehow from Sam's Club, and it wasn't. It was it was trife. So they he find was, excuses. So he so he was he but he, being a reformed Jew, claimed that he is kosher according to reform standards, and they got a reform rabbi who said that he's correct, that you don't, as, according to reform, you don't have to do everything. And, then, and they're also uh, trying to catch people on, you know, not, or, let's, say, let's say, for example, if you're given the kosher meal and you don't uh, take it right away. So, uh, I mean, you don't take it all the time. You, if, you don't ha- if 10% of the time you don't pick up your kosher meals and you eat something else in the other rooms or something, then you're dropped from the program. Well, I can understand that. You can understand that. But in, in, the, in the crazy world we live in, people c- consider themselves partially kosher. I mean, that, that's what this reform person is trying to say, and the reform rabbi backed him up. 
Another thing they do is they make a waiting period that even if they, you convince them that you are kosher, they don't let you take the meals right away. And uh, so it's, it's, a, it's a messy thing in, the, in, in that system. Let me just take a moment to talk about our... our uh, I got so busy, I didn't get a chance to say a word about Glotmart. Let me talk a word about Glotmart, who, which is uh, our regular advertiser, conveniently located at 1205 Avenue M. You know, at Glotmart, you think of price, convenience, service, and quality, and uh, it's, a, it's a great place to shop, and convenient in Flatbush. Some of the items that are on sale right now are family pack chuck ground beef at four forty nine a pound. These are real numbers. Pot roast, uh, which is great for cholent, eight ninety nine a pound. Mendelssohn's pizza bagels, six pack, two ninety nine. Bananas are now forty nine cents. Beef steak tomatoes are now seventy nine cents a pound. And tufta mad- madbuka. Is that how you say it? Madbucha. 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 Madbucha is two for five dollars. And then Norman's uh, 80 light yogurt, six ounce, 79 cents. These are just some of the good items that you have on sale at Glotmart right now. And at Glotmart, um, the meats, the quality of the meats is A1. They have supervision from the, uh, the Vatakasha, the Flappish, and the Star K, and they use uh, base Yosefe meats. And at X, you're getting a quality kashras at Glotmart. If you meet Dovin Glotmart, Tell them you heard about Glotmart over J-Root Radio and the Kashrus on the Air program. And now we're going to go back to I our... Ju- we, I, I want, to say, I want to, to say something about the halal. You mentioned the halal. Yeah. Uh, according to the Arab uh, laws, you don't need the shechita. Right. You need the shechita. And I know that we are the higher standard of the... You know, in their eyes... We are the standard, uh, for example, if we don't take the Gid and Ashe, the back part, right. they're taking it. If they have, uh, if uh, I see many, many Arabs buying from my friend uh, Nash Express uh, uh, meat over there, because they said that we trust the Jewish Echsher uh, than the other, you know. Because the only thing that uh, they not allowed to eat, basically, is a pig. Right. That's the only the other stuff they're eating, you know. They're eating uh, rabbits, they're eating camels, they're eating all this stuff. But that's that's it's not a matter of this. So, kashrut shchita and as a, according to the Muslim Islams, the, the kashrut of the Jewish people is the most higher standard, and they don't need uh, to do a special halal. I just want to. Uh, we have another two minutes. I want to quickly mention again the special offer that I'm giving anybody who would like to subscribe to Kashrut Magazine at our regular rate of twenty-five dollars a year. You get all the issues, plus the kosher supervision guide, which is a 200-page book that has over 1,400 different kosher agencies worldwide. And in addition to that, we're giving away free a $20 book, which uh, I read the piece before to you, on, a wings of, on the wings of a child's prayer, which is story, 50 stories from the pages of Kosher's magazine, 200-page book, absolutely free. That's a $45 value for $25. Call us to between today and tomorrow at this time, between t- until 7 o'clock tomorrow, at 718-336-8544 to get this J-Root special. 718-336-8544. And uh, you can email us at kashrus, K-A-S-H-R-U-S, at AOL.com. Do we have another minute? Okay, we're going to get in a minute. I must tell the story. Uh, ben Brofman tells a story. He's a criminal lawyer. And he's, in, he's davening. He's, 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 he's uh, saying Kaddish that year. And he wanted to daven Mincha, the, so, the minion in, the, in Manhattan. But the gentleman who runs the minion took one look at Ben Brofman, small yarmulke. No, he, he's wearing a jacket, no hat. And he said, no. He wouldn't let him go up. Instead, he chose somebody else. Geitsu took somebody else to be the... And he wasn't wearing a gartel, gartel either. Ben Brockman doesn't wear a gartel. He went... Geitsu took somebody else up. And afterwards, Ben Brockman goes over to him and says, uh, here's my card. And the man says, what do I need your card for? He said, well, before Yom Kippur, you're going to ask Mechila for what you just did. And then he told us, he said, you know who he put up? Davin Mencha, one of my clients. 
Wow. <laughs> so we, we have to get our, uh, we got to get our minds straight. We have to understand who we're looking at. This person is not a modern Jew. This is a Torah observant Jew. This person is not a Russia because he's in, is in prison. There are a lot of Russian Rishon walking around that are, in, that, are in, that, are, that are not in prison. There's a Jew in prison, and we have to have Avas Yisrael, and we have to practice it every single day. I think this is a beautiful story. I'm just, I'm telling you, it's mind-bugging. It's really something. Unfortunately, that's what uh, many, many times we see it. Yeah. Have a good week. Thank you.